Well, good evening and welcome back to our pastor's class here at Hickory Grove. Glad to have you join us as we continue our study through the book of Philippians. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the third chapter. This evening, we're going to begin in the 12th verse. As you're turning there, uh, you ought to know that we use a, a small commentary that helps serve our purposes as we study through this book in this class. It's called the Christ-Centered Exposition of the Book of Philippians. This particular volume is uh, written by Tony Marita. I commend that to you. You ought to pick it up. That book informs all these series as we move through the Book of Philippians. In addition to that, you, you probably should know that as we walk through this text, it may sound familiar to you, especially if you follow along in our Sunday school lessons that we publish here at the church. In fact, I just preached this very text in Sunday school just a few weeks prior, and you may notice some similarities between that message and this, and of course that's because it's the same text. So we're going to get a double dose of Philippians 3 beginning tonight in verse 12. Why don't I read it? I'll pray, ask God to help us, and then we'll unpack it together. Philippians 3 and verse 12. Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many, of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to himself. Would you join me as we pray? Father in heaven, I ask now that you would come and that you would minister your word to your people and that you would use me in spite of me as a means to that end. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, your life is a race, whether you like it or not. You may not like the route your life's taken, you may wish that you were going at a different pace. You'd prefer a smoother terrain, maybe a better climate to run in. You wish you had longer legs. Lord knows I've felt that a time or two. You wish you had a shorter distance to run, but your life, it's a race. And for some, as we look at this text tonight, this is going to serve as a wake-up call to remember that whether you like it or not, you are in a race for your life. For some of you, it's going to be a wake-up call to just get moving, to get going. But I trust for others of you, and praise be to God, I think this is true. For many of you, it's going to be a sweet encouragement. It's going to be like those standing on the sidelines cheering you on as you run this race. It's going to be an encouragement to keep going. Paul uses this analogy of running a race, this analogy of running to describe the Christian life. And his principle in this text is plain. Real Christians run hard after Christ. His, his point is simply this. 
If you are in Christ, you are growing as a believer. If you are in Christ, you are moving as a believer. If you are in Christ, you are being sanctified day by day. You are in the race. You're moving, growing, you're going. I want you to feel the call of Christ this day that if you are in him, you must run hard after him. Real Christians run hard after Christ. And what he does in this text is he, by explicit and implicit ways, he gives us, I counted five different warnings or five different, you could conversely call them encouragements, but I'm going to frame them negatively, five warnings on how we ought to run hard after him. So if you're taking notes, mark these down. First off, don't slow down in this race for your life. Notice, if you will, verses 12 and 13. He says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. He's saying, listen, I know I haven't arrived. I know I haven't finished my race. I know that I am not done. Not that I've already obtained this. Not that I'm already perfect, but I press on. Notice what he says in verse 13. He says, brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own. The point is this. Paul is saying, in this race for our lives, in this race we are running with Christ, you got to remember that the race is not over. You are in this race. Don't slow down. You've ever seen a football play, maybe. A long pass is made. The wide receiver's running with the ball, and he's got nobody near him. He recognizes that he is going to make this touchdown, and so he starts to slow down and gloat. And instead of running hard all the way across the finish line, he starts to slow down and take in all the fanfare until out of nowhere that defensive back who he didn't see comes and tackles him because he had slowed down. Or you've seen some of those races on TV, maybe at the Olympics, where the runner thinks that he is, he's got this race in the bag, and he finally starts to give up because his heart's pounding out of his chest, and just as he slows down, that other racer just comes right in behind him and ends up crossing the finish line first. This is the point Paul's making. Don't slow down. Remember, you, not, you are not already perfect. Remember, you are not already glorified. Remember, you are not in heaven yet. You have a race to run. You have a battle to fight. There is a war being waged around you. His plea is as he reminded, indeed as he warned in 1 Corinthians and chapter 10, verse 12, he says, if anybody thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. This is the warning to us. Don't slow down in this race. Remember, you are still in it. Brothers and sisters, take one more step forward. Stay in the race. That's the first thing. But notice with me, beginning in the latter half of verse 13, a second warning. And, and let me frame it like this. Not only does he say, don't slow down. Paul also says, don't look back. Look with me, if you will, at the latter half of verse 13. He says, but one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on. Paul's point is simply this. You know in running, it's not helpful to look back. If you're trying to run and you're trying to make great time, you're trying to be efficient, one of the most inefficient things you could do is to look back. It'll slow you down. You can easily trip at that point because you're not looking ahead of you. Don't look back when you're running. Look in front of you. And Paul is saying in the same way, forget all those things that have happened in your past. Don't keep looking back 
at your past sins. Don't keep looking back at your past failures. Don't live in the past. Live in the present and in the future. Run your race, forgetting what lies behind, he says, and straining forward to what lies ahead. Press on. Don't look back, my friends. Forget all those things that used to define you. In Christ, you are a new creation. In Christ, your past is forgiven. In Christ, your failures are no more. In Christ, your future is hopeful. It's glorious. So just forget what lies behind. Strain towards what lies ahead. Press on. Number two, don't look back. Look, if you will, at beginning in verse 15, a third warning, or you could describe it as an exhortation to stay in this race. Number three, don't run alone. Look with me, if you will, at verse 15. He says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also only. Let us hold true to what we've attained. You see, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. <laughs> what Paul is getting at is simply, when you are running a race, it's always helpful if you run with somebody else. So just take, for example, if you have tried to make running, jogging, etc., something that you do for your own physical fitness, have you found that you tend to go farther and you tend to be more consistent if you have somebody to run with you? somebody to hold you accountable, somebody to help you set your pace. I find when I run that if I don't have somebody with me, the minute I start to get a little tired, I justify and rationalize why walking is okay at this point. Or I just go a little shorter because, you know, nobody else is telling me to do anything differently. This is all I feel like doing. But when I run with somebody who uh, can hold me accountable, I always push myself further. I'm prone to make fewer excuses. I'm prone less to stop. I persevere more when I run with others. And that is the point Paul's making is he's saying, listen, you need folks to be with you. You need a church. You need a fellowship of believers to hold you accountable to run this race with you. So don't neglect it. So join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to this example you have in us. That might mean for you, consider who's uh, who you have your eyes fixated on. Who are those people in your life that you are seeking to imitate? Who are the people that have the most influence over you? I can't answer that question. You're going to have to answer that question. But as you do, start to ask yourself, are those people those worth imitating? Are they, as Paul admonishes, those who walk according to the example you have in us? And if they're not, Find those people whose lives are worthy of emulation, those who walk according to Christ, those who imitate Christ. Find those people and imitate them. This is Paul's admonition to us. Go find somebody in our church who is a little older and wiser and more experienced in their walk with Christ than you and say, help me. Can you show me what you've learned as you've walked with Christ over these years? Give yourself to the church and find that the edification and the accountability that comes with being a part of a local church is indispensable as you run this race. I want you to see number three, don't run alone.
But let's look at a fourth exhortation, a fourth warning to us, beginning in verse 18, may I encourage you to not follow the crowd. Don't follow the crowd. Notice in verse 18, the type of people we're prone to follow. Verse 18, it says, for many of whom I've often told you, and I now tell you even with tears, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. And he describes how they're enemies. He says their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. And with minds set on earthly things. These people of whom Paul speaks are those who look like Christians. They look like people worthy of being emulated. They look real, but they prove to be false. They prove to be the wide road, the large crowd. They tend to be those that are just following the dictates of the culture. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. And Paul's warning to us is don't follow the crowd when you're running this race. I remember years ago running a uh, 10K. And as I was running this 10K, there was a pace setter. There was an individual that was running at the pace of a certain uh, pace in the race so that you knew if you followed this guy, that's how quickly you would end the race. And as I got to this point where the roads diverged, there was a fork in the road, there was a group of people that ran to the right. But the pace setter kept going straight. And I was confused and I thought, okay, well, so this guy, he works for the race. He's legit. I probably should be following him, but the whole crowd is going to the right. So surely they know what they're doing. I mean, there, there seems to be some security in numbers. So if everybody's going that way, that's probably the best way to go. And I followed that crowd to the right. And I followed the wrong group. Running to the right, I fell off the track. I was essentially disqualified from the race. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it was frustrating because I had trained for the race. And the point was, I followed the crowd, and I didn't follow the one worthy of being emulated, the one who knew the way. Paul's warning to each of us is, be careful who you follow. For some, indeed, he says, many are enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. So find those whose minds are set on Christ, those who uphold the word of God, those who desire for their lives to be crucified as Christ was crucified, those who are seeking earnestly to follow Jesus and are not seeking to follow the dictates of the wide road, the culture, those who are not in the crowd. You go follow those who are willing to lay aside all other things to follow Jesus. Be careful who you follow. Number four, don't follow the crowd. And may I conclude our time this evening with one fifth and final exhortation we find beginning in verse 20. Number five, don't forget, my friends, that the race will end. Look, if you will, at verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. The Apostle Paul, in verses 20 and 21, is reminding us that one day this race, this battle, will be over. You may feel weary this moment. You've been running hard. You've been fighting the fight of faith. 
You are tired of sin. You are tired of lawlessness. You are tired. I know it. I feel it. But take heart. This race will end. You may be in mile 22 of this 26-mile race, but there is a finish line coming. One day, you will at last cross that finish line. You will be glorified, as verse 21 says. You will experience the full satisfaction and joy when you cross that finish line and the Lord crowns you. He gives you that medal, so to speak, around your neck, and you will enter into the joy of the presence of your Maker. You will never once look back and say it wasn't worth it. So I plead with you, embrace this race that God has given you. Don't slow down. Don't look back. Don't run alone. Don't follow the crowd. And don't forget that this race will end. Together, as a church here at Hickory Grove, let's press on towards the goal for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, knowing with full assurance that we will one day cross the finish line. And when we do, we as weary saints will fall into the everlasting arms of Jesus. And we will never, ever regret one arduous step we took in this race. Would you join me as we pray to that end? Father in heaven, I do ask that you would strengthen every fellow runner in this race joining us tonight. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with a sense of assurance that this race is worth it and that it will one day end. So would you strengthen them to not slow down? Oh God, I pray that you would strengthen them not to look back. Father, would you surround them with fellow believers so that they need not run alone? Lord, I pray that you'd protect them from the temptation to follow the crowd. And would you fill them with hope that this race will one day end? Oh God, may our church be marked by men and women who run hard, after you. And we look forward to that day when we enter into your presence and hear those everlasting, glorious words, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.